Boys and girls, be blessed as you go to that time. Queremos enviar a los niños al tiempo de niños en adoración. The rest of us, uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and take out your Bibles in whatever form you have that. There are Bibles in the back for your use. Pueden abrir sus Biblias conmigo. We're going to be looking into today Psalm number 104 in the Bible. Vamos a mirar Salmo 104. And what we're doing today is we're, we're actually wrapping up, we're, we're concluding a summer series of messages looking at psalms we can pray. Estamos mirando salmos que podemos orar. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at psalms that we can actually make into prayers and psalms that teach us about prayer. They teach us how to pray. Son salmos que podemos orar y que también nos enseñan a orar. And so today we're going to be looking at some uh, key verses in this psalm, I want you to have your Bibles open and ready to go here. In just a few moments, I'll begin to refer to some of those verses. Uh, vamos a mirar varios versículos que tengan las Biblias abiertas para referirse a esos versículos. Uh, some of you may know, uh, many of you perhaps, that in June, a couple months ago, my wife Mindy and I, uh, we actually moved our oldest son and our daughter-in-law out of state. They moved cross-country uh, en junio trasladamos a mi hijo y mi nuera a otro estado and we drove out with their two cars we had this trip that was kind of a up and down route and we traveled over 3,000 miles in, in the car uh, viajamos unos, unas tres mil millas and along the way as you can imagine we went through like 10 states something like that we saw some beautiful landscapes as we went uh, vimos unos paisajes muy lindos but perhaps none as beautiful and as majestic as the Grand Canyon. You can imagine that. Fuimos al Gran Canyon. I'd never been there before, so we had the opportunity to stop for a couple of hours and drive along the south rim of the Grand Canyon. Manejamos por el sur Gran Canyon, and if you've ever been there, every so often there are places where you can stop. There are these uh, scenic overlooks where you can get out and you can just behold the vast a chasm of this beautiful place and so we did that cada rato eh, parábamos para mirar los, las vistas panorámicas and as you can imagine you get to a place like that and naturally what happens is you reach for your phone and you take out the camera right and so we were clicking pictures as we went along uh, sacamos fotos and we got a lot of them so we're in the car afterwards and I'm driving with my wife and she's scrolling you know through her photos después mi esposa está mirando sus fotos and and she's disappointed. Está desilusionada. These photos, they just don't do it justice, she said. They, they just don't capture the, the amazing beauty of what we saw. Estas fotos no capturan la belleza de lo que vimos. And you know what? She was right. Ella tenía razón. Now, she's got a very high-resolution camera on her phone, and she took some very good pictures. That wasn't the problem. Sacó unas buenas fotos. But the reality was those photos just couldn't capture the Grand Canyon. No podían capturar el Gran Canyon. Now, maybe you've had an experience like that. Maybe you go for the, to the coast for the day, and the water at the coast is the most beautiful blue-green hue you've ever seen so what do you do you naturally reach for your phone you take a picture and you look at the photo afterwards and meh right it just doesn't measure up 
sacas una foto de la costa y, y el agua está de color verde y azul pero no se ve en la foto why is that why is it that when we take a picture of something that's marvelous and beautiful like that it just doesn't quite get everything ¿Por qué no captura todo una foto así Well, I'd like you to keep that question out there. I'd like to hold us in suspense a little bit with that question as we come to the Word of God this morning in Psalm number 104. And what we have here in this psalm is what Bible experts would call a, a hymn of praise. Este salmo es un himno de adoración, de alabanza. And, and in this, the, the, the composer of this psalm is, is marveling at the glories of God's creation and in a sense marveling at the glory of God himself. El escritor se maravilla de la creación de Dios, de la gloria de Dios. And in verse 1, he, he's expressing his heart here and he's not only expressing an emotion, but he's really expressing what is the goal of this psalm. Expresa su corazón, su meta en verso 1. He says, praise the Lord, O My soul, alaba alma mía al Señor. Oh Lord, my God, you are very great. Señor mi Dios, tú eres grandioso. Now there's an understatement. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to, to capture with words. Oh God, you are very great is almost as much as he can do. It's a feeble attempt to try to, to get his arms around the greatness of God. Es un esfuerzo débil para, para poder abarcar toda la gloria de Dios. And yet that doesn't stop him from trying to capture with words what is going on. He goes on in verse 1, he says, You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Te has revestido de gloria y majestad. He, God, wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. Te cubres de luz como con un manto. Extiendes los cielos como un velo. He lays the beams of his upper chambers on the waters. He makes clouds his chariots and rides on the wings of the wind. Haces de las nubes tus carros de guerra y tú cabalgas en las alas del viento. He makes the winds his messengers, flames of fire His servants, haces de los vientos tus mensajeros y las llamas de fuego tus servidores. Now I think we need to be clear here that the, the language that the psalm writer is giving us here is, is not literal language. No es lenguaje literal. The psalm writer is not saying that God literally lives in a tent in the sky. No es que Dios habita en un, un, una carpa en el cielo. It's not that God literally is riding around in cumulo nimbus clouds throwing balls of fire into the wind. Dios no está sobre una nube uh, tirando bolas. This is poetic language. It's poetic language. The, the writer's trying to give us a sense of the greatness of the majesty of God, of the power of God. Quiere darnos un sentido de la gloria, del poder de Dios. And even in that language, we find that it is too small. Because certainly God is way bigger than someone who rides on a cloud. God is way greater than someone who would live in a tent in the sky. But then the writer goes on and says in verse 5 that God has, 
has set up the foundations of the earth. And he's talking here about the creation of the world. Pusiste los cimientos de la tierra. And he talks about covering the waters or covering the earth with the waters as with a blanket. Cubres como con un manto la tierra con las aguas. This is the picture of Genesis 1 at the very beginning where God created the world. And, and it talks about how God is taming the forces of the universe in the creation of the world. God, God is putting things in order and, and God commands the waters to separate out from the earth. If you read Genesis 1, it's there. He, he makes the waters retreat and withdraw. Verse 7 talks about this. Dios manda las aguas. It says, at your rebuke, your word, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight at tu reprensión huyeron las aguas ante el estruendo de tu voz se dieron a la fuga the waters flowed over the mountains and went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them ascendieron a los montes descendieron a los valles a los valles al lugar que tú les asignaste and then it says you set a boundary that the waters cannot cross, never again will they cover the earth. Pusiste una frontera que ellos no pueden cruzar, jamás volverán a cubrir la tierra. This is a big deal. We don't quite understand it from our perspective, but you see, the people in ancient times were deathly afraid of the water, of the seas, its power. The sea represented for them danger. The sea represented death. El mar representaba la muerte y el peligro. But God, by his power in creating the world, has separated out the waters. He's put the waters over here, and he's made the earth where we can live. He's tamed all of that. And not only has God brought the waters under control, he has designed a system of irrigation for the earth. El ha diseñado un sistema de riego para la tierra. That's something we can identify with here in the Central Valley, a system of irrigation. Verse 10, he makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. They just, uh, dice, tú haces que las montañas o los manantiales más bien viertan sus aguas en las cañadas y fluyan entre las montañas. De ellas beben todas las bestias del campo. Verse 12, the birds of the air nest by the waters. Desde uh, ahí las aves del cielo anidan junto a las aguas. In other words, God has set up the world in such a way, the sea's over here, dry land's over here, and God has a system for getting the water to the earth for the animals, for all of creation. In fact, for the crops as well. Verse 14, para las cosechas, he makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Haces que crezca la hierba para el ganado y las plantas que la gente cultiva para sacar de la tierra su alimento. So the, the picture that we're getting here as we read here is of this world. He's trying, trying to capture what God has done. And the pictures of a lush, green, fruitful garden that God has carefully put together. Dios ha ordenado un jardín verde fructífero. So God's put everything in order by creating it. God's not only created the universe, he's not only created the water and the earth and the plants and the beasts and people, God has ordered time itself. 
He's put time under his control. Dios tiene hasta el tiempo bajo su control. If we go over to verse 19, it talks about that. The days and the nights, the moon marks off the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest. Prowl, tú hiciste la luna que marca las estaciones y el sol que sabe cuándo ocultarse. Tú traes la oscuridad y cae la noche y en su sombra se arrasan los animales del bosque. Verse 22, the sun rises and they steal away and they return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening al salir el sol se escabullen y vuelven a echarse en las guaridas y sale entonces la gente a cumplir sus tareas. Hacer su trabajo al, hasta la noche se. So God has all of time under his control. He set up the day. He set up the night. He set up the seasons. Again, we need to understand this is poetic language. He's, it's almost like we're getting an impressionistic painting here. He's trying to paint for us a picture of the marvels, of the glories, the beauties of what he's capturing in the creation. What God has done is una pintura impresionista de lo que Dios ha hecho en la, la creación. And that's why finally in verse 24, it's almost like this psalm writer can't hardly contain himself anymore. No se puede contener el 24. And he exclaims how many are your works, O Lord, in wisdom, You made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Oh, Señor, cuán numerosas son tus obras. Todas ellas las hiciste con sabiduría. Rebosa la tierra con todas tus criaturas. Songwriters trying, after capturing the, the glories of creation, are trying to capture those glories. He's trying to capture something of the glory of God himself, and it It's like he can't do it. No puede capturar lo que él puede ver. Why not? ¿Por qué? I want to go back to that question I asked earlier. Why is it when, you, when you're at this most beautiful place, wherever, it's, wherever it is, and you take a picture, whether it's of a sunset or some beautiful landscape or some beautiful scene, why is it that the photo just isn't the same? Why? ¿Por qué no puedes capturar en una foto la belleza de la creación? Photos can't capture the beauty of what we see because you see, we've had an experience. Hemos tenido una experiencia. We haven't captured the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon has captured us. No hemos capturado el Gran Cañón, nos ha capturado el Gran Cañón a nosotros. We haven't captured the ocean in a snapshot. The ocean has captured, has captivated us. El océano nos ha cautivado a nosotros. And there's a difference. There's a difference between capturing something and being captivated by it. And so here it's almost like the psalm writer is trying to do the former and he ends up in the middle of the latter. Verse 
31. Basically, he comes to this point where all he can do is throw up his hands and say, how great thou art, versículo 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Que la gloria del Señor perdure eternamente, que el Señor se regocije en sus obras. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. You know, when you see the Grand Canyon, when you see an ocean, when you're taking that picture, what are you trying to do? You're saying, I wish I could get this to last. I wish this would just, this moment where I see this, I wish I could have it forever. En una foto uno dice, quiero este escenario para siempre, este paisaje. And here the psalm writer is saying, I want to be in the glory of the Lord forever. I want to be in his glory forever. The glory is his weighty, real presence and experience of God. Quiero que la gloria del Señor perdure para siempre. Quiero estar en su gloria. You see, the point is not to capture God. The point is to be captured by God to be captivated by him. El punto no es capturar a Dios, sino ser cautivado por Dios, to be caught up into his glory. And that's why here in verses 33 and 34, the psalm writer, uh, as he gets to the end here, basically just says, I will sing to the Lord all my life. One song won't capture it. One moment won't capture him. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Cantaré al Señor toda mi vida. Cantaré salmos a mi Dios mientras tenga aliento. Quiera el agradarse de mi meditación. Yo por, por mi parte me alegro en el Señor. There's a big difference, a big difference between trying to capture God and being captivated by Him. Hay una diferencia entre querer capturar a Dios y ser cautivado por Él. A lot of the time, we try to do the first one. We try to, 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 to in some way, take the infinite almighty, all-knowing God, and we want to somehow grab onto him and make him fit into the limited frame of our lives. Queremos agarrar a Dios para que quepa en el marco limitado en nuestra vida. Somehow we want to grab onto God and get him into our lives so that we're the focus of the picture and he's just a part of it. God's just one thing among many in my life. He's a part of my staff. Dios es simplemente una actividad entre otras. 
There's a Christian writer by the name of Trevin Wax who writes about our society and, and what's going on in our world today. And he says that in our contemporary world, the, the message that we've gotten in our world is in order for you to grasp on to, to life, in order for you to grasp on to your, your full potential and for all that you're looking for, in order for you to get that, here's what you have to do. Look in. Look in. El mensaje del mundo es mira adentro para capturar todo lo que es tu vida. You'll find who you really are if you look within. Look into yourself. Look into your potential. And you will discover the great person you are. You will discover all the plans that you can have. All your dreams. Look within. If you can't do that, look in your phone. Do something. But look in. Mira adentro. Y descubrirás el plan de Dios. Es descubrirás el tu potencial. Here's the problem. When we look in, what we find is confusion, darkness, emptiness. Hay confusión, vacío adentro. That's because the Bible tells us that all have sinned And because we have sinned, we fall short of the glory of God. Todos hemos pecado y somos privados en la gloria de Dios. You're not going to capture the glory of your life within because sin says you've lost it. You don't have that. So the culture says, well, if it doesn't work to look inside and find who you really are and what your life's about, look around. Mira tu alrededor. Look for that special someone that will fulfill you or complete you or look for those friends or those people in your community. They'll tell you who you are. They'll help you figure it out. Tu comunidad, esa persona especial te ayudará. But here's the problem. They're just as empty and confused and broken and dark as you are. It's the blind leading the blind. Ellos son tan confusos como nosotros. You see, the Christian message says, don't look in, don't look around, look up. Mensaje cristiano es mira para arriba. Look up and behold through the lens of this word, the glory, the greatness of God. Look up. Miren arriba para, para ver la gloria de Dios. Look up not to capture God because when you try to capture God, what you're trying to do is you're trying to shrink God down to size, twist God's arm so that he can be a part of what you want. You're trying to get God under you. Don't look up to try to capture God. Look up to be captivated by him. Miren arriba no para capturar a Dios sino para ser cautivado por él. Get caught up into his plans and purposes. It's way bigger. There's a grand canyon inside of you that only God can fill. Solo Dios puede llenar el gran cañón adentro. We will discover who we are. We will discover what our lives are all about in the reflection of the glory of God. That's the message of the Bible. And so prayer, when we talk about prayer, here's the key. Prayer is not about somehow trying to capture God and to get him to follow our agenda. 
I come to God with a list. God, this is what I want. I want you to do this, that, and the other thing. La oración no es intentar capturar a Dios para nuestra agenda. Prayer is actually the opposite. Prayer is about being captivated by God and his agenda and letting go of ours. La oración es ser capturado, cautivado por Dios. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1, 15. Colossenses 1, 15. This is what the Bible says. This is talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, the Grand Canyon, the oceans, the heavens, the skies, the plants, the animals, all things were created by him and for him. All powers, all authorities, all created by him and for him. Por, uh, él es la imagen del Dios invisible, el primogénito de toda creación. Por medio de él fueron creadas todas las cosas, visibles e invisibles. Todo ha sido creado por medio de él y para él. He, Jesus, is before all things and in him all things hold together. Él es anterior a todas las cosas que por medio de él forman un todo coherente. The most captivating truth, I believe, in all of Scripture can simply be stated this way. La, la verdad más cautivante es esta, that, that the God who has made it all, the God who has spun the galaxies into being, the God who's created you and me, the God who lives in splendorous, majestic, unapproachable light, ese Dios que vive en una luz esplendorosa y, y, y que no podemos acercarnos a ella, that God who is so great and so glorious has come down into his very own creation. He's gone down to the very bottom in order to rescue you and me in the person of his son Jesus the image of the invisible God ese Dios ha llegado su propia creación para rescatarnos a nosotros he's come down all the way to pull us up out of the ocean of our emptiness Colossians 1.19 Colossians 1.19 for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth and things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. A Dios le agradó habitar en él con toda su plenitud y por medio de él reconciliar consigo todas las cosas, haciendo la paz mediante la sangre que derramó en la cruz. That is the most captivating truth. God would come down and he would die and he would rise again so that we might be captivated pulled up into his great plan Jesús murió resucitó para que fuéramos cautivados I mean it's just it is impossible I'm, it's impossible to capture with our minds and with our hearts the tremendous greatness of that truth, what Jesus has done for us. It is impossible to capture that. Es imposible capturar eso. The only option is to be captivated by it. 
let it draw you in. Because here's the truth. If we are captivated by anything less than Jesus, anything less than Jesus, we will be held hostage by that thing. We will be imprisoned by that thing. Si estamos cautivados por cualquier cosa menos que Jesús, vamos a ser presos esa cosa. It will not complete us. It will not fulfill us. When you are captivated by Jesus Christ, you do not become less yourself. You become more yourself. You become more free, more alive, more real. That's the truth. Si estás cautivado, Jesús eres más libre, más vivo, más quien tú eres. And so as I, as I read Psalm 104, I feel a little bit of an identity with the psalm writer here that, that somehow every Sunday when I'm up here or Greg or anybody else, what we're trying to do in these few moments that we have each week is, is I'm trying to describe for you the undescribable. I'm trying somehow to, to, to give some dimension to what Jesus has done, to give you a taste of Jesus. Intento darles una descripción de lo indescriptible. His, his greatness, his glory, his reality. He's more real than you and me, more real than the chair you're sitting on. He's the most real, real there is. And I'm trying to do that, and, and I, I can't get there. All I can say is look up. Miren arriba. Look up through the lens of God's word and let Jesus surround you. Let him, let him captivate you. Let him dazzle you. Let him, let him fill you. Let him, let him somehow come to you that you would have that experience. Uh, I learned a new word in French not too long ago that I like. It's a cool word. Ebloui. You know what that means? Ebloui. It means like I'm, whoa, blown away. Right? Let Jesus ebluey you. That's my prayer. Mi oración es que Jesús pueda fascinarte. So this week, my invitation to you, first of all, read this psalm, psalm read it out loud as your prayer. Lean ese salmo. But then I also want to invite you to pray this week with your eyes wide open. At least sometimes. I've been doing that in my backyard this morning. It was kind of a smoky view, but I was amazed that the scripture says he touches the mountains and they smoke. They sure do. Right? Pray with your eyes wide open. Eyes wide open to the glories of, of the creation and what God has done, but more than that, the eyes of your heart open to Jesus, that you would be captivated by him. Espero que puedan ser cautivados de Jesús. So I'd like to pray with you right now and what I'd like to do is invite you. You may have your eyes open. You can close them however you want to pray. And I would just like to read this description again from Colossians. Quiero leer la descripción de Colosenses. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Él es la imagen del Dios invisible primogénito de toda la creación. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth, things in heaven, 
by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. A Dios le agradó habitar en él con toda su plenitud y por medio de él reconciliar consigo todas las cosas, tanto las que están en la tierra como las que están en el cielo, haciendo la paz mediante la sangre que derramó en la cruz. Oh God, you are very great. Eres muy grandioso Dios. And we must confess that so many times with our eyes wide open, we are actually blind. As the poet has said, the world is charged with the glory of God. El poeta dicho que el mundo está empapado de la gloria de Dios. My prayer is that this week, Lord Jesus, we would become more captivated by you pulled up into the bigger picture of what you're doing in the world. Que seamos más cautivados por ti. As we look at people around us, as we look at our lives, as we look at the challenges we face, Lord, give us that experience of yourself. You already have. You've given us the experience of yourself in the most ultimate way by dying and rising for us in the person of your son, Jesus. Thank you. Gracias por haber muerto y resucitado en la persona de tu hijo, Jesús. Jesus is the glory of the Lord that endures forever. Jesús es la gloria de Dios que perdura para siempre. Thank you for that gift. May we receive it with wide, eyes wide open que podamos recibir a Jesús con los ojos abiertos. We ask this in his holy name, the name of Jesus, the one who holds it all together. En el nombre de Jesús, quien lo tiene todo en su mano. Amen.